Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week on the show, we have Cindy Burnett. Yes, we do. And it was a great um, episode because a lot of us, Cindy is a bookstagrammer and she has a podcaster, a podcast. But, you know, a lot of times we wonder, how do we, how do we approach these people? How do we get them to read our books, look at our books? And it was a really great uh, interview and informative for me. So, yeah, because she kind of gave us a perspective on, you know, how to pitch her and how Mm -hmm. to pitch Books to grammars, podcast, yeah. book podcasters in general. Right. Um, we talked about um, how she chooses books. Um, she also writes some columns recommending books. So she's mm-hmm. done, she has a wide experience in this like bookish world about talking yes. about books. Yes. And um, it, so it was really interesting. And then she also has a Patreon for readers. And we talked to mm-hmm. her about that and how she focuses it on readers and how she. Uh, what kind of episodes she does for her Patreon mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. appeal to readers. So it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. It was a completely It was interesting. Yeah. Episode that we normally do. Yeah. Yeah. And it gave, I think all of our, all of us are trying to reach our readers, you know, so it's just new ways to, to con- connect with readers, but also, like I said, to connect with people, influencers who can, get our books in front of readers. Right. Yeah. So what she's talks about applies to any type of influencer, Mm -hmm. TikTok influencer, or, you know, anybody on any other platform that you would like to talk to. So, so she gives us some strategies for that. And what have you been doing this week? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sarah and I have been at a retreat all week, all week, uh, pretty much. And um, yeah, so it's been great. Uh, You know, as, as, as happens when you're around a bunch of smart people, you get ideas for things. So I have ideas for some up for this upcoming year and um, some big plans. And um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. And um, it was kind of, it was just refreshing to be around other writers for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was really good. It was very different. Mm-hmm. First mm-hmm. thing I've done, first writers conference type thing I've done since COVID yeah. happened. And so, yeah. A little weird, but you know, it's felt really good to be around yeah. people again and yes, and just enjoy talking about books and marketing and things. And yeah. so, so, yeah, it was really good. It was um, great. Yeah. And uh, let's see, this week or before I left for this, I um, finished my draft on my uh, book that I've been working so on. So good. Yes. <laughs> so good. So it was perfect timing because now, you know, I can like let it rest for a little bit uh-huh. and then go back and I, it yeah. needs a big working over, but, um, you know, but as they do something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, yeah, it was, it, this week has been great just to be around people and, um, you know, as an extrovert that really does help me to, um, it gives me energy, you know, it gives me, um, ideas just just being around people and saying words out loud uh, sometimes I have to say things out loud to make them true so uh it's it's just been it's been great been good to see old friends and um yeah so yeah 
So we will kind of work in some of the things that we've heard about and learned about probably as the year goes on, we'll probably have mm-hmm. things we want to talk about. Yeah. I'm still like figuring out like what I think about everything we heard. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. And, and we're going to have some guests from this retreat on the podcast, some yes. people that are doing some amazing things that I think you guys are going to find just really interesting and, and helpful. Yeah. And I got a strategy for, um, my uh kickstarter because remember we had monica and russell yeah. on on a different yes. episode yes. and we talked about kickstarter and i got some ideas yeah. and i'm going to do a, a special edition hardcover mm-hmm. so hashed all that out got some details on you know probably the best approach for that so mm-hmm. that was good and i'm i'm really excited about that but i have a bunch of things i have to get in place before i can do it yeah. so i'm working yeah. on it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to probably do a Kickstarter too. And um, I'm excited about that. Um, Russell and Monica are so smart and they're just so helpful. And, um, but you know, me, I'm number one activator. So I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. And (laughs) I haven't really counted the cost of doing all that. So I have to, I, uh, I told, someone last night that I was going to do something. And, and he said, well, take a little bit of time and think about it. And I'm like, no, I'm doing it. So uh, yeah, that's how I work. Like right but this minute. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm going right now. So it, uh, it's been great, but we should get on with the interview because it's awesome. And um, yeah, have a great day, everybody. Yeah. So here's Cindy. Well, today we are really excited to talk with Cindy Burnett. Hi, Cindy. How are you? I'm good. How are you two? Oh, we're great. Um, we're so excited you're here. Yes, we are going to dig into podcasting and reviewing and kind of get your take on like kind of the perspective of a book reviewer and yes. book podcaster. But let me read your bio first. Uh, Cindy Burnett is the host of Thoughts from a Page podcast, where she interviews authors about their latest works. An avid reader and book reviewer, Cindy loves to talk about books everywhere she can. In addition to hosting her podcast, she actively promotes books she loves on social media. She writes two book columns for the Buzz magazines, reviews books monthly for bookreporter.com, and is a shereads.com contributor. She is also co-creator of Conversations from a Page, a Houston author event series that brings authors and readers together in a relaxed and welcoming setting. In addition to reading, Cindy loves theater, art, movies, national parks, travel, and hiking in Colorado during the summer. Wow. So, totally You're a busy agree. lady. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How do you have time to read books? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sometimes I wonder that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start off. Tell us how you got started reviewing books and then podcasting about reviewing those books. Sure. So years ago, probably six or seven years ago, I was talking to a friend about how I love to read and I was kind of looking for something new to do. My kids are now 20, 19, and 16. So mm-hmm. they were obviously six years younger. Mm-hmm. And I was ready to kind of find something different. Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, I'm part of this Facebook group. We talk to authors in the group. You know, it's just a great way to learn about new books. And, you know, that might be a fun thing to get involved in. I didn't even know that was a thing. Right. So I joined the group. And then it kind of opened up this whole new world to me of interacting with authors and reviewing books and all of it. So I started doing that. Um, I formed an Instagram account 
And that was fun. I learned about Bookstagram and this whole big world of, you know, book people on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it was so much smaller then. It's huge now. (laughs) Uh, So then I really enjoyed meeting some of these authors. I went up to Book Expo in New York City when it was still a thing, Mm -hmm. uh, met a bunch of people. So then we decided to host some people. We had great success with that here in Houston. So we started asking more people, created the literary salon, and then it all just kind of snowballed from there. I started writing the columns. And then right before COVID, people kept mentioning the podcast to me. I'm not a huge podcast listener, I will say. I'm more so now than I was then, but I wasn't really sure what that was involved, what would be involved with that. So I kind of looked into it. I thought, I don't think I have time. And then COVID hit and I am a definite type A personality. (laughs) I was like, I need something to focus on other than my phone and what's happening with COVID. So I looked into it and then I launched in June of 2020 and it's been so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we all had more time during COVID. So starting a podcast is probably a good way to spend your time instead of scrolling Some of us the used news. it better than others. <laughs> well, I wish I'd used it to just get a lot of exercise and walk, but that's okay. So um, it was a ton of fun. I had no idea, and I'm sure you guys are the same way, how much time a podcast takes. Even yes. when I looked into it, I still had no idea. But it's yeah. a ton of fun, but it is definitely a labor of love. Yeah. Yes. I always tell people, you need a podcast wife. Like me, I have Sarah. Uh, because you Jamie know, just gins up all the excitement and gets everybody yeah. here. And she's really good at social media. And I'm good at like all the behind the scenes things. So it works out I'm well. Terrible at it. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I'm looking at your mic and everything. And the good thing about COVID and that time, you could get everything you needed delivered to your door. So it wasn't, that's, I think that's awesome. Uh, I'm assuming I just, you got it from Amazon, but I don't know. <laughs> yes. I just broke it into steps and I just was like, yeah. okay, you know, I found all the, I always turned to Google. So I just went to yes. Google. What do you do for a podcast? Realized there was way more involved than I had any idea. Broke it into steps and just said, okay, best microphone. Okay. Best mm-hmm. recording software. Okay. Best headphones. Okay. How do you, you know, where do you host? Just kind of all of it. And I just worked mm-hmm. my way through it. And once I felt like I was ready to go, I started with an author friend would you mind being my first guest? And she's like, not at all. And we just took off from there. Right, right. Yeah. And I think that's important too, because I think that one of the barriers to entry for a podcast like ours and yours, as far as like interviewing type podcasts is people, you know, who do I ask? Or people won't want to be on. And the fact is people do want to be on. They love mm-hmm. they love being asked. Most people, I, I we've had a few people that have said, you know what, I just, I'm too shy or I have social anxiety and I just can't do it. But those are the, those are definitely the minority. They are not the majority. So don't be afraid because of that for sure. I agree with that. I have a Patreon community and one of my monthly interviews is two bookstagrammers Mm -hmm. and they'll come up with the topic, some book topic, Southern lit or best debuts or Mm -hmm. thrillers or something like that. And I occasionally get people who are really anxious there and it's like, Mm -hmm. just try it. I -hmm. promise. It's just like having a conversation with a friend. You just have to get going. And then every single time when they're done, they're like, oh, you were right. It was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. So the chatting is is the easy part. Yes, (laughs) That's definitely true. I I agree. I agree. Well, do you have any aspirations to write fiction since you do all this reading of fiction? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that would just be so sad if I tried to write fiction. I can't even imagine. People would be like, uh, okay, stick with reviewing. I love writing. I love reviewing books. I love writing book reviews and book roundups and all of that. But like I said, I am not nearly creative enough. I always am just so impressed with you guys when you can write and come up with these wonderful stories. Thank oh, well, that, thank you. That's yeah. sweet to say. But I think reviewing in itself is an art because it is there art. is a well. way to yeah. do it where you don't give away everything and you let people know like what it's about. It's it's an art. So we appreciate the reviews. <laughs> the reviewers, exactly, yeah. for sure. Yeah. That's great. Well, so um, what draws you to a book? Like when you're thinking about reviewing, because I was, you know, you review in all genres. So what draws you specifically to a book? Well, the first thing that often draws me to a book is the cover. I know that people say don't judge a book by a cover, but I most definitely do. To me, it's one of the most important things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the cover will draw me in. Also, the summary. I I do read across a wide range of genres, but I don't read everything. Mm -hmm. So there are times when I'm like, yeah, I just don't really read. I don't read a lot of sci-fi. I don't read a lot of romance. You know, it just sort of Mm -hmm. depends on what it is. But Mm -hmm. so... Sometimes it will be narrowed down by, I don't read much self-help at all. You know, Mm -hmm. so some of those things I just kind of weed out automatically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I think it's pretty easy to tell what a book is going to be about generally from the summary. You know, most of the time there's keywords that are kind of put in dark and gritty, light and fun, heartwarming, heartbreaking. You know, you can kind (laughs) of get a sense. So um, things that sound really good, that sound Mm -hmm. fresh, that sound different. Mm -hmm. um, That's usually what appeals to me. So who do I have to sleep with to get you to read romance is all I want to know. You know, I will say lately, I have been reading a little more romance. It's been a rough year. And so I'm like, you know, I could use something a little different that is happier. So I have been doing that. And I mean, I have nothing against romance. It's just not what I'm normally drawn to. But I mean, it's a huge market. I mean, I'm probably in the minority there. Right, right. Well, you talked a little bit about how you kind of decide which books appeal to you, but how do you decide which ones you're going to talk about and review? Mm, Do you have, you know, like a kind of filter that they run through? (laughs) Yes. So I get pitched, I would say probably 20 books a day. I get just the incredible volume of emails that come my way these days. I really think the podcast, definitely, that's where Mm -hmm. I saw the biggest bump. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you kind of get on all these lists as a result of that. And also writing for the buzz because my name gets out there as a journalist, I get put on, you know, all sorts of um, different email chains, but I I has to just grab me. And I I have a really good sense for what I'm going to like and what I'm not going to like. So I have continued to refine that, but I have found that if a book doesn't sound good to me, literally 95% of the time, I'm really not going to like it. Even if I give it a chance and I'm like, I'll try it. I'll be open-minded. It's just not going to work. And then I would say on the flip side of that, I'm probably right about 75% of the time if I'm going to like it or not, oh, you know, because yeah. I think it's harder on that side of it. Books mm-hmm. can sound good, but go awry midway through or right. the end or whatever. Or the end. Yeah, the end I, can really ruin it. I watched a movie the other night and, and it was the same feeling I got when I've read a few books that just get to the end and they just end. Like mm-hmm. I, I have invested an hour and a half of my time and it just ended. I actually wrote a bad review because I, and I never write reviews. I never, <laughs> especially not movies, but I was like, 
I won't get that time back. And you left me completely <laughs> hanging. And so, yeah, the end is a big deal. That's a, that's an art to be able to it, write a good ending. It is. And it's frustrating when you've spent all that time invested in a book and the ending mm-hmm. isn't good. That's one thing I actually have learned is I don't post as often about a book I am currently reading unless it's an mm. author I've read before and I feel comfortable that it's oh, not going to go awry idea. because mm-hmm. there have been times when I would be halfway through and I'm like, this is what I'm reading. I'm loving it. And then I get to the end and I'm like, oh, and then I don't feel like I can go back and say, well, I didn't love it. And then uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. people are like, I saw your post. And I was like, oh, no, no, don't read that book. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, so I've Danger. learned to be yeah, exactly danger, danger, to yeah. be a little more careful about what I post about because oh, I don't like really to good. post bad reviews. I feel yeah. like I know how much, t- well, two things. I know how much time and effort you all spend writing a book. I mean, it is, you know, a passion project. You love it. But also I firmly believe there are readers for every book just Absolutely. because I didn't like it doesn't mean somebody else is not going to like it. Right. So right. I try to focus on those ones that I do really like and I can be an evangelist for and go that way. Right. Yeah. Right. That's and really we all smart. want evangelists. I mean, that's, you know, that's the goal of every author to find that evangelist or those evangelists that will tell everyone about your books. And, um, but as an author, I appreciate that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I appreciate that you're, you use your discretion. And because, like you said, some people are going to love it, some people are not going to love it. And I, I think, yeah. That's yeah. Important. And you do have, like, as an author, I don't really, if I don't enjoy a book, I don't say anything about say to it. Me, well, it doesn't really help me because I used to sometimes post negative reviews and I will every once in a while now mm-hmm. in specific instances. But then I realized that, you know, what we just talked about, I mean, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean somebody else won't. But right. also um, people will say to me, you only post positive for the most part. And that doesn't really help me. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, well, first come to me. I'm happy to tell you about any book you asked me about. Right. You know, yes, I loved it. No, I didn't love it. And, you know, I do that all the time. And in my Patreon right. group, I actually do post about books I don't like. And in my newsletter, I say, you know, this one just didn't work for me for these mm-hmm. reasons. But on the other hand, like just listen to what I'm saying. I do like, and that should be enough. You know, you can kind of gather that. Yeah. Yeah. You can, because there's certain reviewers that I follow and I'm like, I know their taste is similar to mine. So I know if they like it, then that's a good indication that I'll like it. So not every review has to be, Mm -mm. you don't have to talk about every book you read. And I, as an author, I don't, if something doesn't appeal to me, I don't usually talk about it because I, Mm -hmm. I just can't do it because I know how hard it is to write a book and I'm not going to. I would just never do that to somebody. No, I just, another author, I would just not do it. Yeah. 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 Well, as an author, I don't think it makes sense to do that either. I mean, that, you know, it would be like me running around and bashing other book podcasts, which I would never do. I mean, there's no reason to, but I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it's better to build people up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Sarah, you had a good point because you're asking about how I choose what to review. There are three or four people who I line up so well with. And if they say to me, I really think you're going to love this book, then a lot of times I'll pick Mm -hmm. that up too. You know, if I, like, I just had a book I loved recently that comes out in June and two different people recommended it to me. I almost always like their recommendations. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and bump it up the list. So I think it happens that way. And then the flip side of that, there are people I don't line up with at all. And so (laughs) if they're all raving about a book, then most likely I'm like, hmm, that Mm -hmm. may not be my book. Yeah. Maybe give that one a pass. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, what do you wish authors knew about book reviewers, bloggers, podcasters? Like, like, is there something we should know about approaching you or about um, your process or most people's process when it comes to 
reviews and things like that? Well, that's a great question. I think there's several different components to that. Mm -hmm. One, I think I get pitched sometimes very generic pitches where I can tell the same six sentences has gone out to 200 people. And so I usually just click right away on those. Um, Also, I'll get pitched like kids books. I mean, I have never once reviewed nor interviewed a kid's author or anything. So it just kind of frustrates me a little bit because I'm like, you haven't done any kind of research. You know, you don't have to spend hours upon hours, but if you could spend five minutes on my website and see that that's not going to be me. Mm -hmm. Um, Some authors are really pushy. And so that's kind of difficult. I think sometimes you try to be nice and say, I don't have time or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe euphemistic terms if you're thinking it's not necessarily your book. And so then it gets kind of difficult because I have Mm -hmm. to keep responding. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I did recently have an author who sent me the best pitch. It was so oh, personal. And she talked about a particular episode she'd listened to and what she liked about that episode of the podcast. And I'm not sure I've been so busy. I would have said yes normally, but based on her fabulous email, I was like, done, send me the book. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, you know, a really personalized approach. And of course, I know that takes a lot more time, mm-hmm. but I think you're likely to get a yes. And then yes. I guess the other thing there is, and you guys may find this the same way, like some authors, most authors are great about sharing their episode, but mm-hmm. some aren't. And the time and effort it takes to go into having somebody on your show to then not even acknowledge it, I find really frustrating. Yeah, that yeah. is frustrating too. Yeah. yeah We've is. had that happen a few times, but not many. Honestly, our, our authors are real or our guests have been really great about sharing, but we talk about this all the time, what you were saying about, you know, it's clear you have no idea what we do. Yeah. You know, and it would only take a few minutes on the website or even. Or even just scanning the podcast feed. Yes. I was going to say that happens to us because we get pitches. We talk to uh, writers who write nonfiction for authors, but we don't talk to self-help, general self-help. And we get so many pitches for self-help. And, you know, that's just not what we do. And if you just took a few minutes, you could saved yourself and us a lot of time. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, is there anything that you wish that you had known about working with authors kind of like from the flip side? It- That's a good question. And I was thinking about that and I can't really think about it other than maybe just to, you know, I kind of ramped up the information I send out, please do mm-hmm. share. It really helps. And mm-hmm. some of those things, but as you said, I mean, most people do share, mm-hmm. um, no, I don't think so. Just maybe that people understand how much time it takes, you know, that it's it's different than what they're doing, but that still it's a process and that nobody's guaranteed anything yeah. and that we're all working really hard to do whatever it is we're doing. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the common mistakes you see authors making in their books? Like, like things that you're just like, if you hadn't done that, this might've been a home run or something like that. Is there anything that's, I'm kind of throwing that one at you out of left, left field. So just- oh, no, that's okay. Um, I think stilted dialogue it really drives me crazy. And I don't know how you avoid that. Cause again, I am not a fiction writer, yeah. but it may be to have someone else read it or read it out loud. That always hiccups me um, mm-hmm. when I'm like, I don't really think anyone would say that, or I don't think that character would say that. Right. Um, another common mistake that I see that 
I actually just usually put the book down is because I read a lot of historical fiction is mm-hmm. stuff that's outside the time frame. Um, so for an example, like I picked up a book six months ago and in the first three sentences, there was a word and I was like, no way was that word <laughs> used in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. So I went, I looked it up. It wasn't used that way in the 1920s. It was used like the way it was being used and starting in the 1950s. So mm-hmm. I just kind of reached out to the publicist nicely and said, oh, you know, and, and she was like, well, it could have been used that way. And I was like, okay. But I, you know, I put the book down because I felt like if in the first three sentences, there's already a word that wasn't used in that time frame, right. then, you know, the inaccuracies all throughout the book were going to be a problem. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That's a huge turnoff for historical readers, especially yeah. they're just like, they love the accuracy. And that's one. I think it's because they're one reason they're reading is because they want to learn about the time period. And so if they feel like they can't trust you, then it makes it mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. Yes, or you haven't done your work. And I know, Sarah, yeah. you focus on that. And I love in your author's notes where you often talk mm-hmm. about the research you've done for the particular story or some use of a word or whatever. And I think that's wonderful. And that's another thing I really love with historical fiction is author's notes. And they aren't always there. And I wish they were. <laughs> yeah, I love I love them too. That's why I do them. Yeah. I love to yeah. read about what was true and what was made up and what was fictionalized. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's exactly it. Big selling point for historical yeah. readers. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. They love it. Yeah. And then I guess just random information drops. You know, if all of a sudden you've got three pages on the making of a light bulb or something <laughs> like that, when, you know, you're like, wait a minute, they must have really loved that information, but it doesn't flow into the story, you know? And so you're kind of like, okay, I think that could have been shortened a bit. So I think sometimes you can just tell there was something that really appealed to the author that they were trying super hard to work into the story mm-hmm. and it just didn't quite work. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's but great. That's about it. Oh, that's good. Well, what about your author events? I mean, are there things you wish you'd known about that? And are you doing them now that COVID is kind of, it's not over, but you know, we're a little more managed, especially here in Houston, things have loosened up. So um, are there things that you wish you'd known? Are there things authors should know about those events? We are doing them now. We started yeah. in September. We had one in September, one in October. We did an event with Blue Willow Bookshop. Um, mm-hmm. The owner came and spoke. That was our December event. And then we have one in April. So mm-hmm. things are starting. We definitely were all masked in September because everybody mm-hmm. was still masking then. Yeah. But, you know, that has all loosened up a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think the hardest part for us with those salons is that there aren't many things like that. Mm-hmm. So people don't really know what they are. Right. So trying trying to recruit new people and explain to them. It's really like going to a bookstore author event. Mm -hmm. It's just more informal and casual and you can actually interact with the author. Mm -hmm. So just trying to, like every time somebody comes, they're like, oh, this is so great. I had no idea what to expect. And so it's just getting people in the door. And I found that to be the hardest part of it. You know, it's a little bit different than an author lunch or Mm -hmm. an author event at a bookstore. So Mm -hmm. the selling of it, like we need a marketer. (laughs) I mean, we have great, you know, we have great people attending and it's so much fun, but I think we could have a lot more attending if I could just figure out how to tap into that. Yeah. 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 That's well, true. I was able to go to one, I guess it was before COVID. So it must've been 2019 in December and it was wonderful. And I remember thinking when I left, I thought this is, I think this is like the future of book events um, where small groups sort of community led almost in a way. I thought it was a very interesting concept and lots of fun. And um I think we'll see more of it after we kind of get out of this COVID mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. phase. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yes. And I think for people understand exactly what it is, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think sometimes they worry they're going to come into a group of people that already know each other and yeah. they're going to be the only one, but it's people from all over, you know, most who don't know each other who come to enjoy talking to other readers, but getting to interact with the author, it's much less stilted than an author event at a bookstore. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I've worked at indie bookstores. Mm-hmm. I am a huge indie bookstore proponent. I love their events, but I just think this is a lot more fun. It is. Oh, it's, great. it's much more person in person. Yes. Person. Yeah. Yes, exactly. yeah. Well, we're getting near the end of our time and our questions, but I just want to circle back to one thing about Patreon. Um, do you oh, have yes. any tips for like doing a Patreon for readers? Because lots of uh, fiction writers do Patreon, but they do it for other writers, nonfiction tips and writing tips. Do, do you have anything that would stand out like that you would recommend if someone wants to do Patreon for readers? I think Patreon, I just started mine in July. So Mm -hmm. I have been kind of trying to figure it out what's appealing to people, what isn't appealing. What I do, I have three monthly series. One is me talking about the upcoming months. So like March 1st, I talk about what's coming out in April because people Mm -hmm. are always wanting to look ahead. So I pick the 10 or 15, it depends on the month that look the best to me for that month. And I've just kind of culled through everything, which helps me anyway, because then, you know, I kind of get organized with my own stuff. And so I I do that myself. And then I have the bookstagrammer interview that I was talking about, and those Mm -hmm. have been a ton of fun. And then I do an indie bookstore from somewhere around the country. And the indie Mm -hmm. bookseller talks about their store, what makes it special, what they do. And then occasionally I'll have other things. And then I've just started these early read and author events, and those seem to be very popular. So we get the NetGalley widget a month or so ahead, meet with the author before the book comes out. So those are the things I've been doing, but it's been a lot of trial and error, you know, mm-hmm. as to kind of what appeals to people. And there's so many book clubs. I know people like to do book clubs and mm-hmm. I think that's great, but I feel like I already run a book club with a salon. I already have my own book club. Right. And so I just, you know, I'm a little book clubbed out, but I do think that the book club seems to be a popular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do have to ask, like, when, when do you find time to read? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always have a book with me. I'm always yeah. I'm always listening to a book, reading a book uh, through yeah. NetGalley and a physical book. So mm-hmm. I always have a book with me. I just fit it in whenever I can. But that mm-hmm. has actually been a struggle for me lately is finding mm-hmm. more time to read. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It is hard. It's hard because, uh, you know, before I was an author, I would read all during the day, any free time <laughs> I have. But that's not. So now I find that it's in the evenings and I'm tired and I just. Like I want to read, but I don't have the stamina to stay up all night like I used to, um, <laughs> and read. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wondered if listen to a lot, a lot of books too myself. Yeah, I wondered if audiobooks were part of it. For you. I do nonfiction on audiobook. Yeah. I have not really been able to do fiction. My mind just wanders. You know, I start walking and then I'm like, yeah. oh gosh, I've missed the last five <laughs> minutes of what they were talking about. But nonfiction, I seem to have no problem, like, mm-hmm. you know, following it along. I guess you can mix, you know, you yes. can miss a little bit and it's not such a big deal. Yeah. Or That's for good. some reason that just appeals to me. But also I do just have to set everything down and say, okay, I really actually have to get to this book today, you yeah. know, and and because that's the hardest part, I think, is prioritizing the reading for me because mm-hmm. I will be like, okay, I have these interviews. I need to get these books read, or I've got to yeah. pick my April books for the buzz. But then some big book that's coming out in August comes. I'm like, oh, I have to read that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it's just a matter of figuring it all out. Yeah. Well, we are glad you do. And we, you know, just appreciate that you share yes. the books you love. And so we always like to ask everybody, we always like to wrap up with um, this one question. What's the best thing you've done to set yourself up for success? 
I think the best thing I've done to set myself up, up there, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> I think the best thing I have done to set myself up for success is to do something that I love. I oh, mean, this yeah. is something that I just really, really love. I was a lawyer in my past life. I did not really, really love that. <laughs> and it was fine, but it was you know boring. And um, so this is just wonderful. I love to read. I love to talk about books. I love like talking with you all. This is wonderful. I love to talk mm-hmm. with people about books, about reading, about reviewing. So I think just finding that passion has been really helpful. That's great. That's great. Well, tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast and all of your good stuff. So I have a website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and everything is there. I have my blog. I have links to all my articles on The Buzz, and she reads the podcast. Everything is all in one place. That's great. All right. Terrific. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. It was just great. Yes, this has been wonderful. Well, I love chatting with both of you. Thank you so, so much for having me on. Oh, you're, you're welcome. welcome. So we'll have those links and everything at wishidknownthenpodcast.com. And thanks to Alexa Larberg for editing and producing the podcast and to Adriel Wiggins for doing the admin. And we'll see everybody next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.